Welcome to Slice of Orange. This is Jody Balma. Um, this is part two of our wrap-up on the November 2022 election season of A Slice of Orange. Again, Lee Fink, an expert on Orange County politics and elections. If you haven't listened to part one, please go do that. Um, he's got such extensive experience in political and campaign law. He's got great perspective. And so we dive into the data uh, of the 2022 election. Uh, talk general election trends, voter patterns, and discuss the winners and losers of the 2022 election. We had um, so much to cover. We broke it into two episodes. So this is the conclusion, um, part two, with uh, my conversation with Lee Fink. So welcome back. We're doing part two of my talk with Lee Fink on the 2022 midterm elections and what we know, what we learn. So thank you. I loved part one. And let's dig into the data, which is my yeah. favorite part. Um, yeah. I'm always anxious to get to the data. I get my ballot early. I turn it back in because I've been studying for that test for so many months. And then I just am waiting for my group members, the other voters in the electorate to turn it in. So I get data. Right. So you uh, provide such an incredible service, which I really appreciate, which is the 5 p.m. updates. Um, the 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 hashtag think 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 which I love, um, right. and really did give some great data analysis. So so talk to me a little bit about what those updates were, what your hypothesis were about what we were going to see, and and what trends. You know, forty years ago, absentee ballots were Republican because who but a rep wealthy Republican was taking a vacation in November. Exactly. Um, and needed to vote absentee. So that the, the whole world has shifted since then. So what are the trends we know? Well, and that's that's sort of the start of it because I, you know, have been watching elections for what 30, almost 35 years now, I guess, since I was a kid. Um, and back when I started in 1988, it was Republicans who voted early by mail. And it was Republicans over the years who took advantage of the new permanent absentee voter rules and the Republican Party in California was very effective at getting their party members to do exactly what you just said, which is, you know, ballots go out on 29 days before they fill it out Republican and mail it back on 28 days before and they're done. Right. Uh, and it makes their get out the vote effort easier. And Democrats have spent years trying to catch up with that in California. Now, I should say in other states. Democrats have been better with the early vote. Um, and you saw that in Pennsylvania and Georgia and a bunch of other states. Right. Um, but in California, it has been heavily Republican. And so, you know, as I saw, watched this sort of informally, over time, I had a rule of thumb. If a Democrat was uh, down by five points or less, when those first reports came in at, mm -hmm. at uh, 8 o'clock, 8.10, 8.15 on election night, They'd probably win. And right. I I became so confident that by that by 2002, when I was working on a campaign, my candidate was down by less than five points. And we're at the Century Plaza on a statewide campaign. And he's worried about the results. I'm like, don't worry. We're don't worry. Win. We're yeah. winning. You know, we're, you know, we're tracking with the governor's race. You know, it's it's just waiting. The reports are slow because they're coming in first from the rural counties. Yes. Even the reports that come in from, you know, the urban counties like Los Angeles are first coming in from, you know, well-to-do areas where there's not lines. It's going right. to 
it's going to be the end of the night where we back in the day where you actually knew they have to pack up the voting machines, put them in their car and drive to Santa Ana. Right. And so you could kind of track the distance of when those were going to be processed. Right. And in Los Angeles County, some of the, um, some of the further areas out actually, um, I think had helicopters that would fly uh, from like the yes. deep in the North Valley to Norway. Yes. And so, yes. you know, that cha- now that changed over time. More and more people voted by mail, but mm-hmm. Democrats continued to vote late in the process. Yes. The Republicans early. So even in 2018, I was at the registrar's office in Santa Ana when the polls closed. And there was an hour and a half, two hour line for people waiting to vote, get conditional registered. But I looked on my phone and was with uh, Katie Porter's field director. We saw it's a five, yeah. 5.7 point margin. We're like, we're going to win this because right. we knew as the votes ultimately came in, right. we'd win. And, and, and then we, we tracked that. And every night, the Orange County Registrar, after they're done with the count that night, when they finish counting the in-person votes as much as they can, they update every day at five o'clock, Monday, at least Monday through Friday, Saturday. They usually work the first Saturday. And, you know, because of when the election is, there's a couple of holidays. It's Veterans right. Day, Thanksgiving and yes. Time. But they update at five o'clock. So we track that. And of course, in 2018, there was huge scrutiny on Orange County because we had four key swing races. Right. That all flipped from Republican to Democrat. That all right. took time to flip. uh, A lot of time, which is something I want to come back to, which is, are these orientations too early for California? You know, young Kim is in two freshman orientation pictures for Congress, one that she legitimately won in 2020 and one that was too early to call in 2018. Yeah, I mean, you know, and we'll get to that. But, you know, the the worst thing that happens is you spend a couple of days with somebody who... (laughs) ends up not getting elected, learning a little bit sure. more about the system. Uh, sure. That's not, you know, it's okay. It, that's okay. I mean. Yeah. Josh Newman got his very own personalized orientation of the Senate because sure. the the votes had not been finished and finalized in 2016 when, when he won the and, race. And on so. the presidential level, you know, it, it used to be, uh, you know, the transition would all happen. Um you know, after the election was was declared, and and they've actually changed that. Both parties' candidates have transition offices and resources yes. from the time of the convention. Right, so, right. Um, you know, there's sort of a recognition. It's okay to to give yeah. people a little bit more information. So, but in 2018, we had this this flip, and I was tracking those votes and seeing if that was going to come in because I because Katie Porter, Mike Levin. Gil mm-hmm. Cisneros, Harley Ruda, all close races, all taking a long time. Right. I was watching Ashley Aikens, Merrill race in 2018, Tom Umberg's race. Yeah. Um, you know, Doug Chafee, when he was elected to the Board of Super right. Advisors the first time, you know, he won that. I called him Landslide Chafee because he won both his primary and the general that year by, you know, a, a fraction of a percent. Right. Um, right. And so I was I was tracking those closely. And ultimately, the rule of thumb sort of held. If it was five points down, the Democrats, mm-hmm. if it was 10 points, you know, there was ball game there. And, you know, those sort of played out. But 2020 changed everything. And 
the pandemic encouraged Democrats to vote by mail. I think um, everybody got a mail-in ballot. I think right. Democrats became very interested in voting early because they really wanted to make sure that their votes were in because of how important the election was. Right. And, and you know, I, I had, for, I had forgot, right, <laughs> I had forgotten that there was the whole fear in November 2020 about uh, DeJoy, the, 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 the Postmaster post General the post of slowing yeah. down. And so our drop boxes got a lot of attention. People drop voted boxes. early. And in, and instead of, in, and and that's right, there was this worry. Don't put it in the mail, the, you know, the day before the election, put it in two weeks before. Two bu- weeks before. And um, then, and I, I cut you off, but you were saying, you know, Trump had this entire campaign of, of you can't trust the mail at all. Yeah. Um, and, and mail-in ballots are invalid. And like I said, in other states where Democrats have done better in the early vote and um, and vote by mail, you know, you kind of understand that. But he just ruined the California Republican Party. Right. Because they had spent 40 years capitalizing on the early vote. And right. The vote, and now it's just decimated. And you, and you see the difference. I mean, it is a it is a. Four plus 60 difference in the in the early vote. Or that in-person vote. In-person voting at the vote center. Yeah. If a Democrat and so wins the that's by 10 points, fascinating the to me. 50 points Republican, you know. Right. Crazy. It's fascinating to me to see that difference because, I, I mean, it's just so stark that you can tell the Republican voters are voting in person on election day at vote centers. Yeah. And, it's, and here's the thing. The reason why political operatives have pushed for mail-in voting and early voting is because it's so much easier. We had we had rain here in Orange County right. on election day. And yeah, that may have depressed in-person turnout. That might have helped Katrina Foley over the over the line. Right. But you know, the number of times when um you know things come up, life happens. Right. And you can miss election day if it's just that day. And and uh, you know, my father actually in 1996 his his brother passed away on election day 96 and uh, he missed voting and four years later his other brother passed away on election day wow and, you know yeah. and, and these things happen and it could be anything dramatic it could be your car stalls it could be have a right. late project at work right uh, you can get sick um Correct. during this the 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 special election 20 2005 i was sick and um I'd planned yeah. to vote in person. And instead of doing my usual first thing in the morning and then going to work, I was waiting all day to see if I could get better at about 630 at night. I'm like, well, I'm just going to have to go as just going to have to go. Right. And, um, well, and, 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 and we talked in, in the last episode about the comp- the complexity of the ballot, you right. know, sitting down with all of your resources in the sample ballot and endorsements and a computer where you can look things up. Just it's so much easier to do that at home. That's right. And, and, and you see drop off and it's not it's not that bad, but you do see drop off in uh, especially from partisan to nonpartisan races. Yeah. Um, so in 20, as an example, in 2020, in the primary. In the Board of Supervisors election, Ashley Aiken was running against yeah. Don Wagner. In um, most of that supervisorial district overlapped with Katie Porter's congressional district. And Katie Porter won a, a I guess it was a majority in that primary. 
uh-huh. over the Republican candidates for that same congressional seat. And the com- Don Wagner basically won the same number of combined Republican votes within that district, but Ashley won a lot fewer votes. And what you really see is drop off from those partisan races to yeah. those non-partisan races. And it happened a lot. It happened a lot with the last vote center uh, reports, which were probably the campus-based uh, precincts at like UCI and maybe Chapman. Oh, and, interesting. And you get students who know they're going to vote for, in 2020, they were going to vote for Bernie Sanders and Katie right. Porter. And they got right. faced with these other races and didn't, you know, what do you do next? Well, if you're voting right. now at nine o'clock, now we're after the polls are closed and you were in line. Right. You just got to vote for what's left. So there's a whole lot of, of political operation. in that. So everything changed in 2020. Mm-hmm. And we knew that we knew sort of based on data about who had returned their ballots. And there was public data that that we right. were getting, you know, PDI. Uh, put out a lot of that public data. And so we could get some information about that. And that was good. Right. Um, but we, um, you know, we weren't sure how it would play out. Right. And and so that led us to 2022. And were we going to see a reversion to the pattern? Or were we going to see that 2020 had made sort of a permanent change in mm-hmm. people's voting habits? And during the course of the campaign, again, we saw the early vote returns were were heavily Democratic. And um, and so we thought, well, maybe it was going this way. And then election night, we saw the election night results. First right. reports were fantastic for Democrats. Yes. Huge numbers. Everybody yes. was loving these numbers. Yes. Um, Trina Foley was way up. Katie Porter was way up. Ashley Aiken was way up. Sharon Quirksilva. Sharon Quirksilva. So, yeah. And then the vote center numbers dropped and we all just freaked out. Right. All of a sudden, these races that were blowouts were right on the edge. Yeah. And, or know, had right. flipped where, yeah, where yeah. Yeah. the Democrats were behind. Behind. So yeah. We we're trying to figure this out. And I, you know, I was at election night parties and in 2018 in the primaries and general, I'd sort of tracked this and 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 seeing how the ballots would play out and, and gave updates to friends and on Facebook and how it would yeah. out in 2020 did the same, including in my own race, where I you know told people, look, this is the end of it after a few days. <laughs> yeah. it's happen. In 2022, I, I felt more confident about the result of most of these races. I felt that, you know, I I, I believed all along that Katie Porter was going to get reelected, that Katrina was going to get reelected. Right. And the results, and as we ended election night, most of those results were standing. But I became interested in, well, what does this really mean? And I looked at sort of where the numbers were, and I said, well, look, there. I think there's four things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Number one is the turnout's got to be better. And the, the registrar reports the turnout in these five o'clock updates, and it confuses people because it says, oh, turnout's 28%. Right. And what they really mean is they've counted enough of the votes that when you look at this at the end, it will be the turnout number. But it looks like right. it's 20, and it's not really 28%. You've got to look at what's left to count. Right. And I said, well, if you add in what's been counted and what's been left to count, you'd still only be at like, at that point, I'm making up a number here a little bit, but it was like 48%. Right. 
we're going to get to, we're not going to get to the 2018 level turnouts. We're certainly not going to get to the 2020 level turnout, but we're going to do at least as we should do as well as a special election, even a statewide, like the recall. So we're right. going to do that. And we know that not only are the ballots that are in the registrar's office, not only do those count, but the ballots that are received are postmarked. Right. Ballots that are postmarked and received within a week. So yes. I said my, my very procrastinating friends who mail it in on election day. Absolutely. And then I have to wait. Absolutely. So I said, um they do it to uh, torment me, I know. I said, look, our turnout's gonna equal roughly at least the recall, which means there's yeah. gonna be another two hundred thousand ballots that show up in that. So that was my first hypothesis. And mm-hmm. I figured those would lean democratic or progressive. And and as we talk about these races, even though council races, supervisor races are nonpartisan, they all have distinctive partisan right. uh, skills. And I think right. we all sort of accepted that reality. So I thought we would see that. Uh, I said, I, I thought that we'd see the mail that come in comes in continue to be even more democratic a little bit than the early mail because the same philosophy that sort of I'd sort of operated under for 30 years the Democrats vote late right um, would still continue to be the case the Republicans who voted early were still Johnny on the spot mm-hmm. vote the first day they get the ballot or at least vote at the vote center at the vote center yes. But those Democrats who were voting and had to get their ballots collected by canvassers on a day, you know, those were going to be those late votes would be Democrat. The third was there's another category of ballots. There's another category of ballots, votes that are dropped off at the drop centers, at the at the vote centers, not just at the drop boxes around town, but literally you could can hand your ballot. Your mail-in ballot right. somebody and put it in a box and they have it there. And my general hypothesis on this is the Republicans who had been told by Trump and others that if, you know vote by mail isn't real. If you right. give it to an election worker, it's gonna be real, even if it's the same ballot. So I yes. thought these would be more Republican. And I was I was uncertain about how well this would go. And I sort of added all of this up and I said, you know, when you sort of roughly play this out, higher turnout, the late mail a little bit more Democratic, these vote center, late vote centers coming in, more Republican. Overall, you're going to see a couple points of ablution. So that was the, sort of the fourth hypothesis. And I wanted to see how it played out because I think it will help us, one, understand if that's how people are voting. So so as political operatives, you can talk to people and know right. what they're going to do. And also just for people who watch elections and the aftermath, sort of be able to predict, you know, the, the new world. Yeah. And I think those are two really important things because, you know, if you have a limited campaign budget, do, do you want to put your mailer out? For me, the person who votes on October 10th, the day that I get the ballot, or if overwhelmingly people are waiting until the week before or the week of or the day of, the election, nobody remembers that mailer from four weeks right. before. Right. So we and have a really- whole new landscape of, of political dates and schedules. Mm-hmm. And then when do you get to feel confident yes. about and, your election? And, and if you're a candidate or an operative and you're looking at this, you really ought to look 
and try to get as much information about each person as you can about when they actually turned in their ballot. Right? And I, right. that information is available, you know, if you get it. But but you know, if you're if you're a Democratic candidate, you want to start your mailer, right? Because the last thing you want is somebody like Jody Balma who votes early for you know a Democratic candidates for you know Congress and and then sort of figures out who she's going to vote for in the nonpartisan race. Now, she's a professor. She knows the details. But somebody else who maybe is right. deeply involved, you know, you better get the message out that you're the Democrat. Otherwise, they vote for, you know, on some other basis. On and some other. And there's a lot of misinformation right. out there. There right. were candidates in 2022 putting out there that they were the Democrat or that they were supported by right. Democrats who were dyed-in-the-wool conservative Republicans. Yes. Because they know that that's how it is. And if you don't get the message out to the group in time, you lose those votes. So yeah. it's both useful from a from the standpoint of uh, of of as a candidate and as, as campaigns, as well as an observer of how the election results flow in. And yes. then I watched the ballots come in and you can watch the county registrar, Orange County Registrar of Voters. Um, you know, Bob Page is our new registrar. But his predecessor, Neil Kelly, had set up a fantastic system, really w- well-run elections. Yes. And it seems that he's pretty much just kept that system going. Yes. And every day at 5 p.m., they update the vote. There are detailed analysis that, that show whether those are um, mail-in ballots or vote-centered ballots. Yeah. And he's also daily updating the ballots that are left to be processed. So you would know. Okay, is today's batch of ballots mail right. Are they drop boxes? Are they vote centers? Are they conditional registration? Right. And so you could you could track that pretty well. And as the days went on, I was able to track that and tested out the four hypotheses that I was running. And number one, turnout did not did not pan out at all. I was wildly right. wrong. This right. Very disappointed. Number two, the late. I mean, fifty-four percent. By the way, is not terrible. There are certainly sure. a lot of counties in California that had lower voter turnout. Sure, sure. But we were but looking it, at it. Um, didn't hit the sixty-two percent of the recall. Sixty-two in the recall, seventy yeah. something in twenty eighteen, eighty-six percent in twenty twenty. There was a lot right. of fall. Right. So some, you know, we missed something there. Um, so I, I I was just wrong about how that would work. Yeah, and yeah, that's important. And and, and I think I think that low turnout is really a call to action. You know, I keep telling everyone that we have done an excellent job of registering people to vote. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. now have a political electoral system that puts a ballot in their hands. Right. The job now is how do you engage and inform them to return the ballot? And that's the the reality is that is really hard because. Right. Um, I mean, admittedly, registration was always the, the hallmark of a lot of activities for a lot of years when I when I was growing right. up. Um, but turnout is always difficult. And and I hear it today. People say, you know, we've got to do something about turnout. This we've been saying this for years. And right. every once in a while, you'll see a spike. You know, 2008 was was a huge spike in the turnout. Yes. 2020 was a huge spike in the turnout. Right. 92 was a huge spike in the turn. But in the years in between, turnout really lags. And yes. figuring out what it is that motivates turnout and pushes people to the polls. Um, I mean, these are this is advanced human psychology 
Yes. Um, it, you know, and, and every time somebody says, if we can just get better turnout, um, I, I hear you, but I don't know. Correct. You know, right. We've been, it is a problem that, you know, Lincoln tried to solve. And, right. Right. You know, he kind of did and kind of didn't. And, and yes. It's, you know, it's still been a problem. Yeah. That was my first hypothesis is that our turnout would be better. And I really thought, I really thought, and I'll tell you why I had I didn't think we'd match 2018 because of the excitement and the candidates and the campaign sure. and, the, and the anger and the interest. And same with 2020. And, and 2020 had the added bonus of everybody was getting a ballot mailed. That made a difference. Right. 2021 recall, you know, it's, I think news, I think people, you know, who like Newsom respect him, but I don't have never gotten the sense that he's got a sort of an Obama level um, no. quality. In terms of in terms of reverence or or Katie Porter has at a local level, uh, but people think he's solid. But they're they're not going out of their way. So why did they turn out so strongly? Well, some of it maybe it was Larry Elder's fear. Absolutely. But, but a lot of it, I thought, was hey, the ballot's now in your hands. It's just sitting there, and that's what the ballot's have. in your hand, and the ballot is two questions. Yeah, and that well, and that's. That made a big difference. And for a lot of Democrats, the ballot was one question. One question. With the second. Everybody Correct. said, don't even bother with the second, just mail in. The one and done. I thought it was a brilliant marketing campaign by the Democratic Party yeah. of California. It, it one and done. Seal it back, yeah. mail it in. Yeah. Vote, vote no and go. And it worked. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. A lot of us who pushed for ballots to be sent in the mail and tried to sign people up with permanent absentees and get mm-hmm. postage paid. It has been a holy grail. If we could just put it in your hands, you'll vote. Right. And so I thought that's kind of what was going on in 2021. And it turns out in 2022 that that's not the end of the story. So yes. the turnout didn't match. The right. So the next was the late mail. And, and that proved to be pretty much correct. It, yes. you know, it, it, that, that was still right. Democrats, progressives, Voted yes. later. And a lot of that is demographic trends. If you're younger, single, mm-hmm. if you're minority, uh, if you're working class, more likely to be putting that off because you've got a lot of other things that are going right. on. You've got you know, younger, you've got classes. It's not at the top of mind. If you're working class, it's the same reason that people, working class folks didn't vote until six o'clock on election day. They don't vote right. until election day. It's just not the top priority. Correct. And so pushing those to the polls. And you did see, not only was that true, but geographically, there was a difference. And you saw in central Orange County, in Santa Ana and Anaheim, and in in right. you know, especially West Anaheim and the flat parts, um, those had huge changes in, in the late mail. Yeah. South Orange County, that late mail was only slightly better for Democrats than the early mail was, mm-hmm. very slight. So it was mostly true, but with with regional differences. And then the third hypothesis was that those vote center drop-offs would be more conservative. And that that proved to be true, but not not nearly as dramatically as I thought might be possible. And and certainly what was happening is there were a lot of Republicans that you know didn't go and vote at on the machines at the vote centers, but they took their ballots in and dropped them off. But there were a lot of other people who were dropping off ballots, whether they were dropping them in the mail or the drop boxes around the county, 
Well, the drop, the vote centers were another drop off place. So that's yes. what we saw. You know, like I said, there was sort of a, in the most partisan races, sort of an R plus 60 shift, right? If, if say, uh, and I don't have the data in front of me exactly, but say Newsom won the early mail by 10 points, mm-hmm. right? 55, 45, which is about, sort of about where it was in the county. He lost the election day vote centers, 75, 20. So right. 50, like the 60 point shift. Right. Well, the shift for the vote center drop-offs is more like 20, right? So if, if Newsom won 55, 45, those vote center drop-offs were maybe 55 the other way instead of that, that mass. Right. And that's still yeah. notable, but it's, it's nowhere near it as, but bad. not as much as the the people who actually voted in the vote centers. Just right. overwhelming, yeah, Republican. And that was, and again, regional differences. Um, again, South County big numbers in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. The two days that the vote center drop offs came in, you know, Ashley Aiken um, added to her lead by like thirty seven votes. Now that's yeah. not much. But when, right. when the whole rest of the county Democrats right. for two days was like, okay, buckle up. These are going to be the two ugly days for us. Correct. Correct. And, and Ashley came away, hey, I've just added to my numbers. You knew the race right. was over. Right. Um, and and those sort four things sort of added up. If I'd been right about my first three hypotheses, the numbers sort of roughly would have added up to sort of a Democratic shift of a couple of points from yeah. where we ended on election night to the final count. And um, it still ended up with that about two-point shift. Correct. But I got there differently, right? The turnout right. Was, was lower. Tur- was turnout was lower. Where, you know, the late mail was a little bit more Democratic than I thought, and the vote center drop-offs were not as conservative as I as I feared. Um, and so it ended up about a two-point shift. And yeah. I, and, and and from those, I think we sort of can imagine that, you know, absent, you know, another big shock to the political system, and you don't see those every election, you see those once every generation. Right. You don't see pandemics and Donald Trump's all in the same election every year. You, you rarely see that. But I think we should expect to see in 2024 when the votes come in, if... Um, if uh, uh, if Dave Min is running for Congress because Katie Porter is running for Senate and he's up by a point on election night, he'll right. probably win by three points. You know, something yeah. like that. Um, I was trying to think of a good hypothetical there, but I that's kind of a fun hypothetical. We're coming up with a couple of different theories yeah. there. But when, I've been I've been those, having fun with the either Josh Newman and Dave Min will face off for the Senate in the incumbent versus incumbent battle, or there's a whole bunch of musical chair uh, scenarios that could happen. That's right. Where that's not, that's not true. But as we, as we see. And and Dave Min running for Congress because Katie Porter is running for Senate is one of those scenarios that I throw out. So as we see those counts come in in 2024, and that you know, it'll be true for Sharon Quirk Silva. Yeah, you know, she was in a in a in a tricky situation on election night. She was yes, dead. but if she's in the same position in twenty twenty four, she should feel okay. This will pan out. Those late votes will come in. Right, right. We'll see this blue shift. That was nerve wracking to wake yeah. up on uh, on Wednesday morning and see some races I wasn't expecting to be tight. 
really had tightened up with the vote center, uh, the, the vote centers being counted. Um, and, and, and with all these new districts, you just don't know. Right. Right. And I think, and I think that, you know, Democrats will take another good run at Michelle Steele in 2024. Yes. Maybe Jay Chen, um, may not, I don't, I don't know what his plans are, but we'll be watching that. And if, if, right. if Jay or whoever ends up challenging Michelle Steele is close, if it's a point or two, we know we're in for a long count. Um, right. Again, Young Kim, I think Democrats will take another uh, run at, at her. Yeah. And if, you know, if, if uh, Dr. Ossip is, is that candidate or somebody else, if they're close, we'll know sort of how those play right. out. And, and we'll see that in some of the local races, right? Yeah. And, um, and, and we've seen those repeat matchups, you know, 2018, we, we saw Young Kim lose to Gil Cisneros, but then in 2020, she won. So we've seen these re-matchups over sure. and over. Um, and, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it in 2024. Right. And you and you've mentioned a couple of times, Josh Newman, of course, and Fullerton. And, and yeah. you had the, um, uh, you know, the trilogy of Newman. Right. Uh, uh, Chen Ling Ling Chang. Yes. So, um, yes. you know, it's not uncommon to see uh, a rematch. And there's a, yeah. there's a lot to be said for for a rematch or somebody who, you know, if you're a, Ch- a, a Jay Chen or an Asif Mahmood, um, you know, you might not have have won the first time, but maybe you invested enough and you right. built some right. capital and name recognition and in a turnout that's different. Right. right. If the turnout is more like 2020 than 2022. Right. The results will be different. I mean, the results will be different. I mean, Jay Chen ended up losing by a very small margin. When you yeah. factor in the variables of 2024, I think he wins under those same th- those same factors. Right, and and if you look at countywide, um, the, the missing voters from the last, even the gubernatorial election last, yes, sixty nine percent of those were Newsom voters. Yes, right. So seven and seven, seven and ten, you know, two, two and three, seven and ten voters who didn't vote. The last time they voted, they voted for the Democrat at the top of the ticket. Yeah. Roughly right. speaking. I mean, you, you get really deep into the numbers, and there are those folks, Paul Mitchell and, and folks like that. And PBI, sure. Know these even better and, and have much more granular data. But that's a big difference. And that can swing a lot of uh a lot of elections. Right. And you all, you know, and, and of course, we'll see how the world turns. I mean, yeah. Um, and know. two more years of, of, of Generation Z coming to the right. polls. Right. You know, those right. that age shift two years in. So let's talk a little bit more of 2024. Um, I, I, I do want to just, you know, underscore the idea that it has always taken a month to certify the elections. Right. It's just that Gavin Newsom doesn't need to check the five o'clock data. When we have these wide margins, no, nobody's paying attention to the poor, uh, you know, registrar of voters who's still painstakingly verifying the, the ballots and, and counting everything. I, I think the media and, and people who are complaining about not knowing the outcome for so long just don't understand it's always been this way. It is more because of mail-in ballots, but we, we've always taken a month to certify. Right. And that's, it's not new. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, I guess, Mike, when I hear people talk about this and you talked about this in part one a little bit, 
what about those local races where they're where it's close right. um, and there's smaller electorates and there's districts and we saw in Anaheim Carlos Leon we saw yeah. Amy Fan West in Westminster and uh yeah and, and Benjamin Vasquez in Santa Ana all these races you know um less than 100 vote differentials right uh and San Clemente you saw that well I guess the question is so what if it takes them right it's okay it's okay. right. There's nothing that is going to change in terms of how the government works. If you know on election night, who's won, or if you know right. on Thanksgiving. Right. They don't take office till December or January for the county offices and the statewide offices. Right. And, Congress. and, um, and in Brea, we had to roll a dice. Well, okay. So that's very unusual. And, 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 you know, you're probably going to be recounting races that are literally tied. Yes. Um, and, and races within, you know, five votes, probably, you know, probably going to see some recount, but you always see that, you know, you don't, you don't usually imagine those being the highest profile ones, but they're usually at the, at the, at the close, at right. the, those close races are small. You don't usually see a, a, a Florida 2000 where there's a recount because it's really, really close right. or a, Minnesota Senate election in 2008, but you always see a few local races where there's a recount, a really close race, and yeah, and there's a, a coin flip like in, in or roll of the dice. There was Brea, like you mentioned two years ago in New Hampshire, there was a state legislative race that they just ordered a new election because that's how they decide ties in New Hampshire is if yeah. it's a tie, there's a new election. Uh, Well, Anaheim's first district race, uh, you know, on election night, uh, uh, Dr. Jose Moreno and uh, Jordan Brandman were tied. And, you know, I'm suddenly Googling what how do you break a tie uh, for Anaheim City Council? And of course, it ended up with Jose Moreno winning, but by a bigger margin when all the votes were counted. But it it was like, oh, right. We got to We got to think about this. In New Mexico, there's a tradition that you play a a hand of five card stuff. which it, it, that got a little play in the in the 2000 election because the Bush Gore uh, race in 2000 was actually even closer in New Mexico than Florida. Just yeah, it wouldn't have flipped anything. Um, and uh, and people said, well, what if they're tied? Will those two get together and play a hand of poker? Uh, right. <laughs> and uh, you know, five card stud is still a game of chance. So it's, sure, know, however, it works out. Um, Maybe their electors so- have to play that. Yeah, well, see, that wouldn't be nearly as fun to have the electors do it as it would I know. The candidates themselves. <laughs> um, so, so what are we looking at for 2024? Well, um, I mean, the I think one of the biggest issues here in Orange County, are, we sort of surfaced this our, ourselves, um, uh, almost accidentally, in terms of question is, is you know, what's going to happen? Is Katie Porter going to run for the U.S. Senate? Right. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that's likely. I think it's likely. Uh, and if she does, you know, who's going to run for Congress? Is Dave Min going to run for Congress? Mm-hmm. Um, if if not, who else would? Um, and if Dave doesn't, of course, you've got, you know, uh, you mentioned the the, the Min Newman yeah. uh, drawn into the same state Senate district and what happens there. So that uh, is something that's, you know, that's that's something to, to watch. I think um, um, 
on a countywide basis, the, the three Democrats got elected to the county board of supervisors and, and hold that majority. Are they able to? Are Democrats able to expand that? Andrew Doe is termed out, uh, right? Twenty twenty four, and that's sort of a new district that takes in um, uh, all of uh, uh, Little Saigon and mm-hmm. you know the, that part of Orange County, and that can be very swingish. Um, you know, Don Wagner's up again. Um, he still has a big chunk of Irvine, which is right. Uh, a progressive democratic city. Um, you know, can Democrats pad that? And I think we're going to see, um, you know, the, one of the things that we saw this time, I think more and more money is flowing into our campaigns and so much that, money on local races. Yes. Yes. And, and you Anaheim, expect million dollars for congressional races, but you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in Anaheim. Right. And, and for Anaheim city council. And, and you you kind of see that and understand that at first because you see how much can be at stake with the angels and Disneyland, right. Right. how much money flows in. But that's just an example because it's flowing in in a lot of other places. It's flowing in in, in smaller cities too. There's, right. there's big chunks of money that comes in. And so how do you address this onslaught of money? Some of it is districts. Um, Irvine continues to have that debate about whether they will transition right. to district elections. Will district elections be able to fight the onslaught of money or does it allow that money to just be more under the radar and not seen, right? Right. Um, so that's that's harder to know. Um, we'll see more on school boards. I think what yeah. we saw, you know, first we saw efforts to recall school board members that sort of fizzled out uh, in 2021, but you did see challenges to school board members all throughout the County. Right. Um, And we'll probably see more of that um, because those are, you know, especially if you're a part, you know, if you're the democratic party, it's hard to get your hands around all the races that you can. Right. And, um, And there are interests at play charter schools and, other groups that um, right you know it's it's hard to, to get in yeah I, I, I appreciated I, I appreciated Kevin Kiley endorsing uh, like 250 school board members in uh, the state because then when my mom in Turlock asked if uh one of the candidates there was extremist I'm like yep 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 absolutely right. it's nicely listed here on a public website so I can reference it very quickly That's yeah right that's right. And and I don't have to tell you the dog whistle words and the coded words that might be on the website and look at who endorsed them to see Kevin Kiley just made it all public. So it was very easy. Um, but yeah, those incendiary public comments uh, that we saw at the school boards and, and, and just really some um, tough fought campaign um, it, that, that race I was talking about in Turlock, it came down to a single vote, mm-hmm. a single think, vote. And I think, you know, over the next two years and, and longer than that, you know, one of the difficulty with money coming in and, and districts maybe changing things. And what does that mean for local governments? And our local government's going to be held to account and, and responsible. And you, you've seen a bunch of, uh, in, in Anaheim. Um, obviously, this was, was run amok. Right. With 
the Angel Stadium nearly being given away if it were for the FBI stepping in at the last minute. Things right. might have been very different. But yeah. I do think that you're seeing this in a lot of places uh, throughout the county. Mission Viejo, and that could be a topic for a whole different podcast. Right. The city Council and Mission Viejo just extending their own terms. Yeah. Um, the Orange City Council two years ago, uh, one of the council members, Mike Alvarez, just ran for and was elected to a third term, even though term limits right. had two terms and, and nobody stopped them until later. Right. And well, and Larry Agan just Agron uh, just resigned in Irvine, so he can bypass the term limits that, from my perspective, were designed exactly for him. <laughs> that may be, and and he may have played it very effectively. I'll say I, I've looked at you know, um, I, I I think legally he's right. So it's 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 interesting, but how it how does that how does how does that work out and and are are we following it and one of the big challenges is a lack of local um journalism and coverage and right. if you think back you know i was talking about when i was a kid you know you had two daily newspapers that were heavily competing right you know the times and the register were both heavily competing to cover orange county and its politics and its government um i grew up in tustin and there were two weekly newspapers in tustin um I still yeah. live in Tustin. There's no weeklies. Right. right? Um, you can't, you know, Voice of OC does a great job in, in covering a lot of things, but doesn't really cover Tustin. It, right. You know, and it, it doesn't have the capacity. So who are the watchdogs? And you talked about the, uh, what was it, the Fullerton? Uh, uh, Fullerton Observer. Observer. Um, yeah. You know, the Irvine watchdog. Uh, there's yeah. a Mission Viejo Guardian um, that, you know, there are other outlets forming, trying to to catch these things. Yeah, but and and I know Voice of OC is is looking to work with a, a lot of our campus journalism mm-hmm. departments Absolutely. and and have gotten some grants and I, you know it it has become such a direct attack on democracy when we don't have local journalism and we don't have anybody telling these stories. Um, that I, I think you're right that it really does contribute to this problem. And so, and that's right. And so, especially as, you know, one one of the challenging things in, in Orange County, is, as we talked about before, is um, the the statewide battle between Democrats and Republicans is, is over, right? The, right. The, the Republicans may change and reform themselves and, and, and there may be a, a shift, but right now, you know, the, that that doesn't exist. You've got some partisan ba- battles in our congressional right. races. Um, but you did have the incumbents all fare pretty well. And and if Katie Porter doesn't run for the Senate, you know, I think she could feel pretty comfortable. And Mike right. will feel comfortable. And Luke Correa will feel comfortable. And, and, you know, those battles won't. So the, the next phase of those questions are who's paying attention to these things on local levels, you know? Right. Is the is the Democratic Board of Supervisors making a, a difference, and is that being captured and being seen? And are local races, local city councils, and their effects, and and what they're doing in the cities on yeah. issues about homelessness, which is always right. raises amongst the top local issues. Right? How are local city councils handling? You know, how are local city councils handling? Transportation, you know, city representatives, cities right. have representatives to the Orange County Transit Authority, and those make a lot of those big decisions that we're talking about. So, 
Are we following them? And just your 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 day to day, your planning, your 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 housing elements. Right. Um, Huntington Beach is going to be suing uh, the governor again over the housing element. That that's right. a certainty with the new uh, council there. So, what's the effect of that? Mm-hmm. So, how are you know are people going to see these local issues? Um, and are there outlets that are going to affect them? I, I, you know, those are another a, a larger question that's beyond sort of the vote counting and the trends. But if you're if you're an observer of Orange County politics, right? You know, we I feel like we know how state politics are playing out and and some of these partisan races, and we've we've come to something of a. I, I don't say that we're in equilibrium and not changing, but with the with a partisan makeup of the county, no longer being just everything is Republican on right. the line, or you know the, the second iteration of that is everything is Republican except for Santa Ana, right? It's right. Okay, there is there is a, a a split here. How does that work out in terms of how it's affecting you in your schools, in your water districts, in your cities, and your county board of supervisors? Yeah, will we see? People paying attention to that really closely and how will it affect those races? Because a lot of what I did is I tracked these incoming poll the results is could put my finger on it based on party, but that's a top-down notion. Right. Bottom up. Right. Yeah, and yeah, and I kept saying, you know, like if these trends happen, then it really does depend on do the Republican voters know who the Republican on the ballot is in a school board race. Right. Has that been identified to see that skew? And you could kind of tell by the by the results whether or not they knew that, whether or not they had that those candidates had run as, campaigned as Republicans or Democrats. And, and in a few races, they really were nonpartisan and there was no split. So that was kind of interesting to see. Well, and you did have, like I said, I lived in, I, I live in Tustin and in Tustin, yeah. Democratic city, governor won by about 10 points, Democratic candidate for Congress yeah. won by about 10 points, but Democratic, two candidates for mayor and the Democrat lost by about eight points. And the the Republican sent out a, a mailer saying that he was supported by Democrats and labor. Right. And you saw that in, in uh, Laguna, uh, Laguna Beach, yeah, a candidate who wasn't a Democrat, yeah, claimed that he was supported by Democrats. That was actually the uh, the, uh, the Lincoln Club uh, yeah. did that in Anaheim. The Lincoln Club was touting not Ashley Aiken, but another Democrat running for mayor who, who didn't have any. Of yes, that, that spoiler. Yes, um, and yeah, I I used to joke that only if you're in a mixed marriage do you, do you see the 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 hypocrisy of people who put themselves on both slates. Right. Only if you're you have one person getting the Republican mailers and the other person getting the Democratic mailers. Right. Um, and and so. now you can and you can target that even, you know, even closely now with more closely now with Facebook. Facebook right. ads can can target you according to the, the voter file. So you can yes. say, is Jody Balma a registered Democrat or a registered Republican and show her an ad that that appeals to that specific demographic. Now, who knows what happens to social media outlets and is Facebook a thing in 2024 is, Facebook, I know. is Twitter alive. So a lot of questions about that, but the way of, of, of micro targeting 
matters. Right. Uh, it really matters. And and that's where um, local journalism becomes, you know, more and more important. To, right. You know, say, hey, wait a second. Correct. You know, right. And, and I think when, when we have that information out there, you know, the, the public disclosures, the campaign finance disclosures, all fine and good. But, you know, if... If if the journalists aren't going to go and do that work and and put it in a nice package for people, almost nobody is going to go to their city clerk's website and look at those files and look at them to see where the money is coming from. And it's and it's I mean look it's just as hard for the journalists to do this work too. I mean Correct. they've got they've got to cover, you know, four really interesting competitive congressional races, right? And you know several competitive you know board of supervisor races. And they don't have the budgets that they had in the 80s. Correct. Um, you know, the register doesn't have that palace on Grand Avenue anymore. Right. You know, right. the, the LA Times is running a, an Orange County edition the way it used to. Yes. Um, and so it's 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 harder to do that. So how we as voters get our information, how we as citizens hold our, our elected officials to account um, is very, is very important. Right. Um, and and that's 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 the thing to see over over the next two years until we get to the election, and then we see um, how that plays out. Will Democrats on the board of supervisors deliver changes that that people say, "Hey, a climate action plan"? Yes, Christina Foley talks about wanting to do that. This is a good idea. We're we're seeing the effects of 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 that on a local level with green energy and that's right. going to be good for everybody so we're going to get on board with that in cities that are moving in that direction um hey anaheim is addressing uh homelessness right so maybe in orange we should you know follow that type of lead right um you know how how will we follow the changes that are happening in orange county and sort of take in take them into account. Yes. And how will and uh, and I think you know that that idea of of looking at you know we we often talk about the states are laboratories of democracy on on a more local level the city councils and the school boards are laboratories of democracy where you can see best practices and and sometimes we get so trapped into our little silos of our own communities that we don't look outside of ourselves we don't look to that and. And I think one of the unintended consequences that I wasn't anticipating is that I see these candidates, you know, Tiffany Ackley running for Elise Oviejo, who's now getting to know, you know, Tammy Kim and Irvine and getting to know Ashley Aiken and Anaheim because they're running and endorsed by the Democratic Party. And they are now with social media, actually a good thing that happens is you can see some of those events that they're doing, some of those proposals that they're making. And now you have a lot more cross-pollination of ideas. And to say when your city says, we can't do anything about sustainability say, but they're doing it in Irvine, but they're doing it in Anaheim, but they're doing it in these things. We don't have to recreate the wheel. Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't expecting that. And it's been a really nice unintended consequence. Well, and it's, it's, I don't think it's, um, it, it, I don't think it's just an unintended consequence. I mean, that's, that's part of it. And, and Republicans have actually been very good at that. Yes. For many years. Yes. And, and part of sort of the infrastructure of 
of the Republican Party and the fact that not only have they had the county partisan offices and the big county offices, but because that's seeped all through the local levels, there is uh, that exchange and and basic understanding. And if you start introducing, as we have more and more Democrats into that, the Democratic Party does the same thing and is able to track changes that work from city to city. Can you really see how those how those changes make uh, make an effect? And, and by the way, just to not make this totally uh, uh, you know partisan, Republicans are saying right in the primary. This is kind of what Todd Spitzer was saying in the DA's race, which is you don't want this because the Democratic DA is going to uh, be the parade of horrible yes, and crime yes. and all these other things. All these liberals are right. talking to each other. And that's, you know, you, you know, it was very effective. It's an, it's effective. And, and if, if that's your, your belief and where you're coming from um, and by, you know, and, and it, it, it is an important thing for Democrats in Orange County to, um, to deliver because yes. in the past, you know, if we, you know, we won one seat, it didn't, it didn't matter. But now, right, right, um, you know, a majority on the board of supervisors, not expecting revolutionary change, but you, you know, there is a, a pressure to to make some right. change. Right. So, so, what's your final thoughts as we close this out? Well, I guess um, uh, two things. One is, um, I feel like I once again, I, I felt like. For, for for uh, about two years, I really didn't know how the votes would would come in. For about thirty years, I I, I yes. had a kind of a security about uh, Democrats by by five points will will yes. will be okay in the end, and and the, the vote count will take long. And then I was like, I don't know what this means. So now having tested this out, I think I kind of see how these votes will play out as we go forward. So I think we've seen a permanent change in voting patterns, and I think that. That will will hold generally, and mm-hmm. it, you know, the, the the variations will continue to be turnout and persuasion, and, and what the campaign factors are. I mean, there, there's no substitute for running a really good campaign, and there's there's no substitute for having really good um, uh, peripherals and and you know underlying economic conditions. Yes. Right? So all of those factors will affect. But now at least we have some idea how people are going. That's my one takeaway. And my second takeaway is, is, you know, I think it's a, you know, 2022 is a success for, um, you know, the democratic party and, um, you know, the, the hope, the goal is to, to see, um, delivery on that. And I, 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 I feel good about it. I mean, I, I like the Democrats that have been elected and I think they're going to do some really good things over the next two years. And hopefully, continue to lead those policy initiatives that people will see as positive change mm-hmm. and lead some of that camp those campaign ideas that um, continue to, to make those local races look more like the, the mix that the county has. Right mm-hmm. now, it's still this sort of overwhelming Republican uh, as you go get more and more local. So right. uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to, to seeing that the, those winners help deliver um, more candidates at those levels. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think that that's true. And 
and and it, it's fun to watch that change um and and to see those positive returns so yeah yeah and and yeah. you know i you know and and encourage people and 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 myself be part of that you know help out these candidates you know yes look at these places where we need to hold local governments to account like admission viejo and, and be part of that um you know katrina foley and vince sarmiento um have a lot of commission appointments that we were talking yes. about. Yes. Um, yes. And, and 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 every and every city is looking for commissioners right now. So you know, log on to your website and talk to your uh, newly elected or or continuing city council members. Um, I I think that that's really a great way to get involved. Um, I I think it's something a lot of people don't know about. So I keep singing the same song of um, you know, there's a lot of unelected positions where you can really help your community and it's really important um to do that so absolutely and that's and you know that is um that that is where 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 future candidates often hail from Um, yes it's it's where information hails from yes how your your local government works yes um uh, and so there's there's a, a a tremendous opportunity and in the county it's where there's just sort of a disproportionate degree of of power and authority and ability to change things because of the way that you know commissions work and Mm -hmm. the extent of what the county does in orange county um you know we we talk a lot and you know we're straying here a little bit but we talk a lot about um cities uh and people talk a lot about you know how much city budgets are dedicated to public safety, and that's that's true um, because Orange County is mostly a, a conglomerate of thirty-four, you know, yeah. small to medium-sized cities. Yes, uh, and so the the big big stuff, healthcare, uh, social services, um, those become county functions, right? Uh, in ways that in you know places like City of Los Angeles or or you know, Chicago or New York, you know, yeah. um, or San Francisco, which is city and the county. So you see those as uh, on the municipal level. So the county and the county is is perhaps the least understood level of government. I think absolutely, so, absolutely. Um, those those commissions and those uh, agencies um, and that that activity is very important. So yeah, we're, we've strayed a little bit. But it's, it's one of yes. the things that over the next two years, people should find ways to get more involved. Yeah, no, I think that's a great place to end it. So thank you so much. I really appreciate dialing into all of this with you. It's been it's been a pleasure. I appreciate it. And uh, hope hope perhaps we can do it again at some point. And certainly, as I would love that. I, I, I think we've already uh, got about two or three ideas for our next show. So thank right. you very and, much. And we'll definitely be uh, watching the counts as the next elections. There's. There's Seal Beach uh, runoffs and there's oh, right. possibly a special in Anaheim. My, to fill out my friend Valencia, Stephanie Wade. So. Yeah, I, I learned that they have runoffs when you don't get 50%. I was all excited. And right, uh, right. we're going to do it all again. So, yeah, yeah so more to come.
So as always, thanks for listening. I couldn't do this podcast without you. A special shout out to my favorite listener, my mom, Peggy Jenkin, who listens to this podcast, even though she lives in Turlock, California and doesn't get to vote for 90, 95% of the people I talk to. Um, my executive producer, Ann Watka, who spent years talking me into this. Uh, a huge thanks to the producing team who makes this possible, Jackson Henry and Fiza Valiola. Um, if you haven't listened to Observing Fullerton, you know what to do next. Subscribe and listen to all their past episodes. As part of the Fullerton Observer, uh, the podcast team, Arujan Veed, Arian Meza, Bianca Bravo, and our own Jackson Henry, keep you informed about the, Cal- uh, the Fullerton community with their podcast. So give them a listen. They've got a great show. Thanks. Talk to you soon.